Well, my friends, welcome back to another episode of Trekology. Thank you so much for joining us. We're glad you're here. And who is we, by the by? Well, I am one of your hosts. My name is Jeff. If this is your first time, hello, welcome. My co-host, my other half, is Greg. How you doing, Greg? Doing good, Jeff. How are you? I am doing well. Uh, we were just talking about this. I don't know if it's my headphones. It does sound like you're in a car driving somewhere, but that could just be our recording software. So, you know. <laughs> or maybe I'm just recording this while I'm on the road. It's true. Also, I live under the airport, well, so that might be part of it too. Yeah, yeah. Although the airport around here, we're all under the airport. That's just life in Ontario, I suppose. But you have definitely been doing traveling. We were talking just our, our previous episode about all of your uh, your travels across the southwestern mid no not midwestern yeah. western no, western southwestern United States. It'd be southwestern. Okay, is Wyoming <laughs> southwestern? Utah? Utah is. I always picture Utah as part of the Southwest. Right, you know, it's got that desert climate. I think it's more related to climate really than anything. Is it really? Okay. I think so. Because it feels like there's Southwest and then there's Northwest. And that's about it. And I feel like Northwest, I'm picturing Montana. Is Montana Northwest? Oregon, uh, Washington, Southwest. Is California Southwest? I don't know. I picture Texas. Parts of California are Southwest. I think our area is Southwest. I mean, we're got that desert climate. Yeah. But we're Southern California. We're like our own thing. At least from living in Southern California, there's very little in common with like Arizona or Texas. Those feel like very different <laughs> climates than culture wise, maybe. Well, that too. That too. I don't but know. It feels much more deserty than than you know. We all surf, right? Isn't that what we do in Southern California? We all surf no matter how close to the beach we actually are. Exactly. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, I don't know if as soon as our podcast comes out, you immediately listen to it. In that case, Happy New Year's Eve to you. If you wait a little, then Happy 2022. But the insider is, we're actually recording this on the 2nd of December. So, we just recorded another episode two days ago. So... I don't know that we have as many updates as we normally do, although I am realizing last episode we didn't really talk about any Star Trek experiences that we've had since our episode with Robert, which you know now was quite a while ago. But Greg, didn't you say with all of your travels you haven't really ha- dipped into the Star Trek world? Yeah, I've had no time to watch any Star Trek. Um, I'm... I haven't even started the new season of Discovery yet. I'm behind in in watching uh, Prodigy. And Prodigy too. And I've been enjoying that show too. Yeah. So I'm up to I think episode three now, maybe okay. four. Okay. So I got more to watch. Okay. And yeah, you're I feeling? It, I think so far it's a great show. Okay, because I know before you gave it pretty rave reviews that I was a little nervous from watching it. It did kind of look like Paw Patrol in space. But you feel like it's a little, <laughs> there's a little more substance than that? Yeah, I think I, I stand by what I said from the first two episodes is that if you took away the com badges 
and Captain Janeway. Yeah. It could be any science fiction show. Even in episode four? It's still a little like that. It's feeling a little more Star Trek-y as mm-hmm. the crew's okay. starting to work together and uh, you're starting to get more more about the crew. Okay. And isn't the crew only like four or five kids? Yeah. There I think it's go. five. Okay. Yep. Okay. Plus which, uh, hologram Janeway. Okay. <laughs> well, which she counts, right? Or I mean, I don't know. How often is she in it? Yeah, she's in it a lot so she far. She is. Okay. Okay. So it's not quite like um, Nichelle Nichols was on uh, Captain Planet where she would just make a random appearance and... <laughs> tell them what to do or even which by the way and we've did i mean the last episode i went off on a tangent about lord of the rings so now i can go off on a captain planet tangent did you know that the original captain planet was tom cruise he was the voice of the original captain planet what are you kidding me i did not know that that's incredible captain planet my friend when our powers combine i mean come on not not a good not a good i mean you know, I know, save the universe. Save that. Save the Every world. time I recycle something, <laughs> oh, I think of that dinosaur song and the reduce, recycle, reuse, or however that went. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. Clearly, I don't even remember it. But I just remember a dinosaur dancing. Getting back on the Star Trek train. So for us, we and, and again, the, those listeners of the show know that my my wife and I have been working our way through DS9 and I've been trying to savor it now that we're in the last season. Plus, we did run into uh, Squid Game, so then we had to stop and watch that and then we ran into uh, the Beatles documentary, so we had to stop and watch that and that is eight hours long, so that takes quite a bit. So, we haven't made as much progress recently uh, but we just watched, oh, I don't even know what the episode is called, but the one where Esri goes back home to like visit her family because Chief O'Brien is investigating his his uh, Orion Syndicate's wife's disappearance or something like that. Do you remember that episode offhand? Yeah, you know, vaguely. Rings a bell? I think we talked about, yeah, it rings a bell. Okay. For me, and and I remember watching it, I feel like that is maybe my least favorite of all Star Trek episodes. There is just, not that there's something about it, there's nothing about it. There's nothing about it that I enjoy. There's like, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm still at this point, and now that it's been 20 whatever years, I'm still bitter over Jadzia Dax leaving and this pale comparison coming in that you can't help but compare. And hearing her like family troubles about like, oh, my brother is such like a hopeless art artist that nobody takes seriously. And my other brother takes his job too seriously. And my mom is domineering. I'm like, I do not care at all. Like it just was ugh, just like a slog to get through that whole episode. <laughs> and and, I, and honestly, I couldn't tell you why. Because again, it's not offensive. It's not like an actively negative thing. It's just so, ugh, blah. That, you know, and, and I haven't gotten to, to um, talk about it with Judy to find out what she, her impression of it was. But, ugh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hold that one with, with much high esteem. So my apologies if uh, Nicole DeBoer, if you're listening, like I very much appreciate you as a person and especially post Star Trek, uh, you do seem to be a lovely person and, and I appreciate the difficulty that you had, but oh, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough 
to not compare you and and you know just such a amazingly rich character like Jadzia Dax. <sighs> you know, if Nicole is listening, we would love to have you on. Oh, totally. Despite what we just oh, said. Oh my gosh! And we would, you know, to no, I would not have the guts to debate her over. The, 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 the merits of Ezri Dax, I would just completely flip my, my script and just be like, you know, you're right. You were probably the best thing from that season. I mean, way underappreciated. And yeah, yeah. That's, that. But before all of that, my friends, we are here today. And so we wanted to talk about something that is, I guess I say it's near and dear to me almost every episode. So it's lost any meaning at this point. But one thing that if you go back to our very first episode, I said was the one thing I wish everyone could know about Star Trek. And it's essentially the idea of high concept. Now, Greg and I have been talking and what I have been referring to as high concept might not be what the industry calls high concept. But what I'm referring to is basically like Christopher Nolan. When Christopher Nolan makes a movie and everyone's like, what just happened? That was insane. Like mind blowing, like way out there. My contention has been Star Trek did all of that and they did it first. So along those lines, Greg, do you enjoy the high concept or what I'm referring to as high concept films, the Christopher Nolan films, whether it's like Inception or Tenet or thinking about like The Matrix or stuff like that? Do you enjoy those kind of films? Yeah, definitely. My wife is actually a bigger fan of the Christopher Nolan movies than I am. Okay. I really liked Inception a lot. You know, a movie that can keep you guessing after you watch it. Um, I also felt like that with uh, Truman Show and um, thought Memento was really good. Would you, that, that's, that's high concept. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a closer um, character study, I guess, than, right. like, for example, Interstellar. Yeah, well, gosh, that's the thing, too, that, yeah, you and I were talking about is the definition, if you, like, Google search high concept – they have a really what I think is a really dumb con like definition of high concept where most of the definitions I've read say literally Wikipedia it is a type of artistic work that can be easily pitched with a succinctly stated premise and often it says the difference between a high concept and low concept is high concept focuses on the plot and low concept focuses on character development and like that's such a dumb like what is high about that concept like at least for me and so maybe i'm using the wrong term to define high concept because i think a lot Mm -hmm. of high concept like you know really do delve into character development i mean looking at inception for example a lot of that is about uh dom isn't that leonardo DiCaprio's character uh, dealing with his mm-hmm. character and about you know the his obsession with this and his wife getting trapped and trying to like bring her out and like all, all of that and at the end even the question mark that he doesn't care if this is reality or not and I feel like high concept I define it as like yeah again like mind bending or like something that is outside of the box let's say so like you mentioned uh, a number of those that I, I think I would 
consider to be creative. One of the ones that that I always thought was very, I, I would call it high concept. It's not actually a Christopher Nolan, but it feels Nolan E. Is a Shutter Island again with Leonardo DiCaprio? Did oh, you see that one? Yeah. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. and it was the was very same thing. Well, David Lynch is maybe a whole different sort of a thing, but s- similar where mm-hmm. it's it's like psychological. Like you could get into what was that one? The Cell and uh, the yeah. Fall and some of those. I mean, you could even get into what is it? Tree of is it Tree of Life? Uh, the fountain is another one that's real trippy and like, what the heck is going on? I mean, even some of like M night Shyamalan, I don't know if M night Shyamalan stuff is high concept for me. I feel like high concept usually has some level of like science involved, not necessarily like Mm. you said, memento memento, but it's about brain chemistry still. It's about like your memory. And I would even call like total recall. Now, I don't know, Greg. You don't strike me as a Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Is that true? <laughs> no, not a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger no. fan. Okay, but I I feel like one of his most underrated films is Total Recall. Not that they did yeah, a great job I of agree it, with that. but the concept was was crazy about this thing of like, mm-hmm. what if you implanted memories in someone? Like, how would you know what's real? How would you know who you oh, right. are if your memories were altered? I thought that was now. How about how about like Minority Report? Would you is that high concept with your uh, with your definition? Yeah, I mean, again, it's a little different when it's futuristic because then it's it's. Uh, but for me, again, it's that concept. So for me, the 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 high concept isn't that it's in the future. For me, the high concept is um, psychics able to predict crime. That's the concept of like, whoa, what would that be? That's one that's an interesting definition I've read is that they say it's almost like a what if. And that's why they put like Jurassic Park. What if we cloned dinosaurs? What would happen? Eh, maybe. It, Jurassic Park doesn't feel high concept. Maybe it, maybe it would have back in the day when it first came out. Because this is not the difference between like highbrow and lowbrow. No, exactly. Well, I don't know. Can you have like a lowbrow movie that is high concept? Uh, it depends on your definition. I mean, like I would say Back to the Future. And I, I, I enjoy Back to the Future. People might call it high concept. Well, again, depending on your definition. But because it's dealing with time travel and, you know, we even mm-hmm. talked about it in our time travel episode about making changes and how that affects the future and stuff like that. But the point of the the way it was presented was much more of like a family comedy, you know, where it was like, oh, my dad is such a nerd. I got to go and like <laughs> fix him up with my mom. Like that was really the... Also, my mom's trying to sleep with me. Well, that's a, and that's, that's a totally different kind of family <laughs> comedy. different concept, right? I don't know if that's high concept. That's a different concept. I, I talked uh, a couple of episodes ago about Tron and I love Tron because I think that's exactly what Tron is in particular, the new Tron legacy. The high concept is imagining uh, isometric life forms, not sentient computers, not even conscious programs, but actual mm-hmm. life forms that are entirely energy based that spontaneously created in this electronic electronic grid like that's pretty high concept to me um Mm. 
certain high concepts might have been high, like higher concept years ago, you know, where you, you think about like 2001 Space Odyssey, right? Some of those things that they that you saw or you read about in that book were crazy. Like, what? How did you even imagine a concept like that? And then, you know, 60 years later, we have those things. So it might not mm-hmm. be as, again, not necessarily futuristic or technological, but more outside the box, I think. Interesting. So how would you define high concept in like a sentence? Would it be something that, a movie that asks a what if question? Something that maybe when you leave the theater, you're uh, thinking about it intellectually? I mean, Yes, I think it goes a step beyond that into not just exceeding expectations, but kind of subverting. No, no, subverting is the wrong way. So I'm thinking about like The Matrix, for example. When people went to see (laughs) The Matrix, they did not know what they were in for. And it completely, and it's not just because of the film techniques they used, but it's the actual concept that they were dealing with. Inception's another great example. Whatever people were expecting when they went into the theater, it was not that. And then when they saw it, their minds were blown is the only way that I can use it. I mean, from an artistic perspective, I might say expanded is a better way of putting Mm -hmm. it. Expanding thought into new creative directions. Oh, there we go. That's not bad. So presenting ideas in like a fresh new way of thinking about it. That might just be a circular okay. Topic. Yeah, no. But that, does that make sense to you? That makes sense. Okay, I'll take it. Because a lot of the movies that we're talking about have that kind of, uh, I, I call it like the Truman Show effect. Yeah. You know, when you leave the theater, you're like looking around, thinking about, you know, is there a camera hidden over there or whatever? Mm. Or I don't know. I don't know. You're a little bit older than me. I don't know how old you were when when the Matrix came out, but when I was in high school watching the matrix that was intense like yeah. i mean i was a computer nerd back uh, then anyway so yeah <laughs> i felt like it was making me cool which right. it definitely did not it definitely was oh come on oh come on you you're still cool you're still cool. uh the <laughs> the funny thing about the matrix is and i think that's a great example like i saw the matrix in i saw in the theater and to be honest i was underwhelmed and that, and I was kind of like, eh, all right, like, oh mm. come on. I felt like they they didn't, I don't know. They they touched on a lot of things, but they didn't expand on it. And I was kind of like, well, ah, that was all right. And then um, <laughs> a friend a friend of my sister bought the VHS, and she accidentally left it at our house one day. Well, not one day. It was at our house for like six months. And at one point it was sitting there and I had nothing to do one night. So I'm like, eh, all right. So I popped it into the VHS uh, and I watched it again. And on second view, I was like, huh, okay. I mean, I guess I missed some of that. So then a couple of days later, I watched it again. And then the next day I watched it again. And then I watched it again. And I ended up watching it like six or seven times. And by that point, I was like, oh, my gosh, I get it. And and I think that's what works so well about The Matrix in particular is that it was high concept. But if you didn't get the high concept, that was okay. 
you could just enjoy right. the special effects. You can enjoy the action. You could enjoy the the basic storyline without really thinking about some of the deeper issues they brought up. With a lot of these, and that's what I think Christopher Nolan, or where you can maybe love him or hate him, is because I think with a lot of his, like especially Interstellar and Tenet, if you don't get it, you're kind of like, too weird for me like it just didn't make any sense i just thought it was you know poor storytelling or it was out of order or it didn't make any yeah it didn't make any sense we're talking about the high concept versus low concept yeah you know we're talking about like character development and whether it's character based and i think interstellar is one of those movies that definitely high concept but the character is is so important to the story right and i think that's what actually makes that movie so great yeah you know is the the focus on that character i forget his name now but although i wish i i want a movie that that's just that first part i want to see the world uh the earth of that you see in interstellar in the first like half hour of that movie where they're struggling to grow crops that sounds fascinating. Yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of feel like we're all going to be living in that in like it's 20 true. years. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They'll need you to, to get back to your roots of growing uh, growing uh, mutant watermelons or, or whatever. Did you actually yep, grow mutant exactly. watermelons or just? No. Oh, I figured they were mutants <laughs> of some form. Square ones or something. I love that they downed that, that drone in the first part and then... <laughs> It's like a, a drone that's gone. The AI is just like taking it all over the place now. Yeah, I guess I. Uh, that was a great movie. I want to see that again. Now. Hold on. Oh, there you go. Okay. So the point that I wanted to drive home or try and convince you, at least, Greg, if not everyone listening, is that not only has Star Trek done high concept as well, but they've done it first. So mm-hmm. what I wanted us to do is I came up with a list and you could go way more. And if you want to uh, tweet us or something like that with more examples, I would love it. But I came up with a list of 10 movies that I think blew people's minds and that we would consider whatever phrase we're using. I'm calling it high concept. If you want to call it mind blowing or whatever. And I matched it up with an episode of Star Trek that, again, I think did it and did it first. So let's start off with uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind being like Frame of Mind from Next Generation. So now you've seen Eternal Sunshine with Jim Carrey, I assume? Yeah, definitely. It's one of my wife's favorite. Okay, my wife too. I don't know why wives. Is it just a wives thing? I mean, I enjoy (laughs) seems like a weird story. Is it a love story? Isn't it the opposite of a love story? It depends. I I think it depends how you define a love love story, Uh, right? Like it's about love. Or it's just ending of love or, yeah. Yeah, but don't they end up together? Do they? I, I guess I haven't seen it in a while. So for those of you that haven't seen it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as I recall, the high concept is that uh, Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet were a dating couple that broke up. So Kate Winslet's character goes to this like mind-wiping place that will wipe painful memories from your brain. And so then Jim Carrey, after she does that, he goes like to do the same 
and the movie kind of follows his brain path as it's being wiped out and his like subconscious or whatever is kind of trying to hold on to the memories as the system is wiping them out so is that is that kind of describe that well yeah so i think in especially in relation to frame of mind which is the episode that we're going to talk about yeah you know he's going under a surgical procedure in order to remove those memories and right. that that is altering his perception of the events and everything yes okay in in eternal sunshine yeah yeah because yeah. the difference yeah i'd say with frame of mind so if you haven't seen the next generation episode sixth season i think i've always liked it some people don't it's where oh, yeah it's a good one i thought i mean i think it's one of uh, jonathan frake's best performances where he keeps seemingly bouncing between the enterprise where he's performing this play where he's a crazy person and actually being in this institution as a crazy person. And he keeps like (laughs) hopping back and forth. And then spoiler, like the end of the episode, we find out that he's like in this, this surgeon's table or whatever. And they're trying to access his memories to try and, uh, get him to, you know, I don't know, like secrets or something like that out of his brain. And his brain is doing this essentially to protect himself so that he keeps him from going insane. Right. Th- to me, that seems like the, that seems like virtually the exact same concept minus the whole thing slipping away. I don't know if I saw that as much in the frame of mind episode. No, but the same idea of, a surgical procedure affecting how uh, the character perceives uh, reality. Right. I mean, this this episode was mind blowing to me the first time I saw it. Yeah. I, I remember thinking, like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen this this kind of idea before. I can I still get like chills thinking about the first mm. time I saw this episode. Yeah. This is a great episode. Yeah. Well, and that was what I was going to say too. Is that 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 question of if it is truly high high concept, did it blow our mind? And and the the one challenge I feel, and this is this is actually high praise rather than a, a critique, I would think, is that Star Trek kind of set the bar that I didn't find that episode that surprising. Like it didn't fit mm. with the rest of what Star Trek did. It was different. And it had they hadn't done something exactly like that before. But at least for me, I was not right. like, yeah, like, what show am I watching? This doesn't even make any sense. Like, how could they <laughs> tell a story like that? Like, I felt like they still stayed true to who they were in, in a, as a show while being able to explore this creative way of, um, of storytelling. So now another one that I'm not as familiar with, uh, well, the, the movie I am very familiar with, and that's Memento. Memento is probably my favorite Christopher Nolan movie. Do you seen that one too, Greg? Oh, yeah. That one's intense. Yeah. And, and I mean, Guy Pierce. oh, I miss Guy. I mean, I guess he's still around, but Guy Pierce after Memento was my favorite actor, and I really, well, and L.A. Confidential too. I really wish he had done more. <laughs> well, he tried, and it wouldn't didn't go over as well, and then he was the Mandarin, apparently, in Iron Man 3, but we try not to talk about that one too much. In Memento, he has short-term memory loss, 
where he can only remember things for maybe 10 minutes at a time and then forgets everything. Everything just goes out of his brain. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know if we've talked before. Like he, he has no clue. And so he kind of survives by writing himself notes and even tattooing things onto his body. And, and the creative way that I thought Christopher Nolan told that story is he essentially tells the movie backwards in 10 minute snippets. So it, it chronologically Mm -hmm. starts at the end of the movie and then works its way backwards to help you experience his sense of not being able to remember because you can't remember either you haven't seen it and for me the one that i saw and i don't think i've seen this episode so i can't speak to it but i just kind of read about it and it was (laughs) the voyager episode before and after now did you see this episode do you remember this one greg Yeah, yeah i remember this one as I understand it, it's when Kess dies. I didn't think she died on the show, but it basically the episode starts with her death and then like works its way backwards. Is that kind of how it works? Yeah, it, it works backwards because she's suffering from some, some sort of like mental deterioration, I, ah. I think. And, um, you know, it's going, it's going backwards and, and she learns all the things, including um, the year of hell. That happens, you know, oh, really? uh, I think a season later in the um, in the series. Huh. Yeah, it, it mentions the year of hell and the Krenim and everything like that. And by the end of the episode, she continues to like go back further and further and further. And I mean, I mean, she goes all the way back to being a fetus. And then she goes like back into the present. You know, she moves back through time the right direction so she goes back into it and it's it's like her birthday at the end of it and um yeah so i think the crew asks for details on their future and stuff but uh doesn't end up answering them it's a it's a good episode and it's it's decent it's not the best voyager episode (laughs) Because I know that's the other thing with Kess that was always a little weird is that she did have some level of like, I don't know, psychic powers or something like that. So is 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 the style of the episode designed to like like it was with Memento? Yeah. So the reason that she's going through these these reverse order memories is because of her exposure to, I think, some sort of radiation, chronotons. Of course, it's chronotons. I mean, what? It always is. It always right. is. It's always chronotons. No, she, she <laughs> got exposed to chronotons, so it's working backwards on it. So does it have anything to do with, because doesn't Kess have some level of, like, psychic abilities or something? Is that how she knows what's happening in the future? I don't remember that. But honestly, it's been oh, okay. a while since I've seen it. Okay, okay. But it sounds like then it didn't... You Your experience of watching this episode was not necessarily as, like, mind-blowing. Or or at the very... Like, did you walk away feeling like, huh, well, that was a creative way of doing that. Like, that was different. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess okay. you would say okay. that is high concept in the same way that we were talking about it, where it was going backwards. It told the story in an interesting way that made you think about things in a new way, uh, intellectually stimulating. Okay, okay. 
So now another one, an easy one, I think, is Groundhog Day or Edge of Tomorrow. Again, same thing with Groundhog Day. I don't know that that would be another great example, I think, of your high concept, low brow, Mm -hmm. where the goal of Groundhog Day was not the mind blow. Even though I think that's what it did for people, that people ended up thinking about what it would be like to live the same day over and over again. Uh, actually, we just watched, uh, what's it called? Once Upon a Mickey's Christmas, Mickey, whatever, the Christmas Mickey special that came yeah, out a couple of years ago. that's right. You've seen that one? With the, yeah, my son and likes Huey, that Dewey, too. And Louie. Yes. Okay. They live Christmas Day over and over and over again until they learn to <laughs> to destroy their Christmas presents <laughs> to make Uncle Donald a boat that instantly breaks. I'm like, did you learn? I feel like Donald should I don't know, but uh, you know, whatever. But that say the concept again, th- that approach. I don't know if we feel high concept e, but then Edge of Tomorrow came along. Live or people call it Live Die Repeat with uh, Tom Cruise and uh, Emily Blunt, and that definitely did feel high concept. Yeah. Same exact same premise. Uh, he would, you know, every time he died, he'd come back to the exact same place. They actually had a reason for it, unlike in Groundhog Day. <laughs> and it wasn't about him learning some moral lesson. It was about him being covered in alien blood or something like that. Right. And for me, the easiest one, I feel like time loops are kind of a thing in most science fiction. But the, e- the, the, the best one I still think is cause and effect from Next Generation. The one where they, what is it, the, the, they run into an anomaly and this ship from you know back in Kirk's day, mm-hmm. basically, uh, comes out of the anomaly, they collide, explode, and somehow get thrown back 24 hours in time and then live the exact same day over again. The weird thing I always thought about that is that somehow they figure out that that's what's happening. And I don't quite know if they're literally thrown back in time, how, I don't know. I don't know that they explain that one terribly well about how they realize that's what was happening. And then they had that very strange solution to send data. I think we talked about this in our time travel episode to send data, a message in the time loop I don't know. I don't know. It's again, it's, I'm sure they have some sort of scientific theory behind it, but it seemed, uh, well, the one thing that I thought was interesting about Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow that we didn't see in cause and effect was because they were conscious that they were living the same day over and over again, they could learn from the repetition so Tom Cruise knew exactly what time every train and every bad guy and everything was going to happen because he had done it so many times. Whereas in cause and effect, you don't get that. They're just doing the same thing. And, it, and if anything, it was more a challenge for the writers and the, the director to make each iteration interesting and dynamic so you're not just going to use the exact same footage every time they die and the exact same thing happens. <laughs> Right. But then they have those clues in it, right? The the crew starts discovering the, I think, the threes. Um, who is it with that? Is it Crusher? 
Well, no, that's that's because of uh, that's Data's message that he sends somehow. It's the number three, right. which was supposed to signify the number of pips in. Again, of all the, I don't know. Somehow he mm-hmm. was only able to communicate that. I don't know. So now here's here's another shade of this, and I don't know if this is why I can watch Groundhog Day and The Edge of Tomorrow almost endlessly. Not on a loop. I'm not going to watch it ex- like over again. But I I could watch these movies, you know, many many times, and I find that they are they they stay fresh. I don't know if it's because of the repetition. Do you feel that same way about the cause and effect episode? Yeah, I think cause and effect is overall. I think it's a good episode. I think that is this one of the first that Frakes actually directed, or was he? Oh, I didn't know he directed. He, that uh, one. Was he directing them from four? But probably. You know, I generally. Generally, I like Frakes directed episodes. I think this one was okay. a really good um, example of it. I mean, just opening it with the Enterprise being destroyed, yeah, I think was a really good way of spectacular opening. And, yeah, um, and it definitely grabs you right, right off the front. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think um, yeah, Kelsey Grammer being in it made it even better. You know. <laughs> I mean, it did. It was such like almost like a silly cameo. Right. He only had it was very recognizable that that's who that was. He only had the one little like do you require assistance? Uh, <laughs> all right. Like that was it. It wasn't much of a role. Yeah. But, you know, hey. And then it's the yeah, again, going back to our guest stars episode, a lot of people really wanted to just Beyond Star Trek because it's a cultural phenomenon. So yeah, I, you know, that's, I think I'm Kelsey okay with Grammer that. was a. I mean, he just seems like a Star Trek guy anyway. He does. If he wasn't Kelsey, Gra- if like he, if he wasn't a known commodity at the time, I would have had. I wouldn't have even thought about his uh, his appearance because it was it was fine. I mean, apparently in the apocrypha, there have been at least a couple of books written about the adventures of Captain Bozeman. Oh, and- I need to look those up. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, it is that's another thing they don't get into, but is somewhat of an interesting part of this is that, so now you've got these people from a hundred years in the past that have basically been frozen, mm-hmm. and here they are, like, welcome to the future, everybody, and uh, you know, good luck to you. Like that's the last that we see of them. <laughs> so, do they? I don't know. How do you catch up? You know, I mean, some of it is that's the same thing they did with Khan, although Khan was even more than 100 years, I think. Um, and he was a bad guy. So, of course, <laughs> Captain Bozeman is, you know, he's a saint. He's not a bad guy. So now the big one, which is is kind of where we started with all of this, is Inception. And that Inception, I think, was one of those movies, kind of like The Matrix, where I think people, you couldn't avoid the high concept, where it mm-hmm. was definitely... Yeah, and and I think the the visuals of Inception really added to that. It wasn't just the concept; it was the fact that somehow building the world or whatever, and they had the whole you know like the the streets bending, all of that. That really added to the experience, I think. Um, but as far as con- and so, if you haven't seen Inception, like I would say, Inception is all about 
this group of people that go that their job is to infiltrate someone's dreams to try and manipulate them to do you know whatever they're hired to manipulate them to do mm-hmm. so in this particular case they're hired to manipulate Cillian Murphy to I don't know sell his company or do something <laughs> with his company uh, and that they do that through dream basically manipulation and what the 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 high concept part of that is not just the dream part but is the like dream within a dream within a dream so that you fall asleep in one dream and then you're in the sub subconscious and then you fall asleep in that dream and then you're in the sub sub subconscious or whatever and the deeper you go the deeper into the psyche you you are i think right. is 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 the premise and for me, even though it's not specifically about dreams, but for me, what did the exact same thing was the Next Generation episode, Ship in a Bottle, mm-hmm. where that's the one where Professor Moriarty, if you're unfamiliar, uh, Data, somehow, again, never really explained this one, but somehow, I, well, technically it was Jordy, I guess, asked the holodeck to create a character who could outwit Data. And somehow that resulted in creating a sentient hologram. Well, there we go with sentience again. A self-aware hologram of Professor Moriarty, who was then stored in ship's memory, accidentally activated by, of course, Lieutenant Barkley, and Mm -hmm. then uh, insists that, like, you need to find a way to get me off of the holodeck so he just decides just to walk off the holodeck and he does to everyone's shock. Yeah. And then, you know, he takes over the enterprise and this and that. And then finally he ends up like going off into the great beyond. And once he does, uh, Picard says, all right, computer end program. And then the simulation ends and you're like, what? That was all a holodeck. <laughs> and then he walks out and he goes, computer end program and then there's a second hologram and you're like oh my gosh and then my favorite part is then at the end of the episode lieutenant barkley is standing there by himself and he goes computer end program (laughs) (laughs) and and i've done that many a time since watching that episode just to make sure that i'm not actually in some sort of a hologram myself and that's where it gets kind of matrixy but the hologram within a hologram within a hologram that was the one that really yeah again blew me away years before inception did so all that uh uh, leonardo dicaprio had to do at the end of that movie was just to say end simulation right or end program (laughs) yeah well that was kind of the weird thing about inception right they couldn't wake themselves up right because you can't really wake yourself up from a dream, but it was that that's why they had to have somebody on the outside of each level so that they could wake people up. And it was through usually through dunking them in water or like taking yeah. them over or something like that. So, yeah, it does come in handy. And I'm like, thank goodness nobody slipped up at any point and said, well, I guess I, I don't know, would a hologram say computer and program? Who knows? I don't know. Which I did appreciate about cause and effect or excuse me, a ship in a bottle was there were very subtle clues that something was not quite right. And the big yeah. one, it was, was Riker's hair. Mm-hmm. And cause at the very end, when, when, uh, 
Picard is ending that one hologram, he looks at holographic Riker, who we didn't know was holographic Riker, and said something about like, but you never managed to get his hair quite right. And you go back and you look at and you're you know, every time it's holographic Riker, he has that same hair where it's just like parted in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was really clever uh, that if you were, you know, a psycho or whatever, probably I don't know that it was something that was significant enough that you could identify it um, while you're watching it. But in mm-hmm. rewatching it, you can definitely pick up on those. Right. Do you remember? I don't know. Did Ship in the Bottle do that for you too? Yeah. And I think that the end where they, uh, where Moriarty goes off with his girlfriend on that shuttlecraft and they like put him in that little cube, that was really high concept, you know, in the same way that we're describing. Um, you know, Picard even says something like, you know, maybe that's us in a little cube on somebody's yeah. desk which is just mind-blowing right and that goes right? back to like the matrix you know yes that maybe well, we're all just part of this program here the assumption is that moriarty and uh the not con is it constance what's the the i don't remember um but that they're going to be happy traveling the universe in a simulation mm-hmm. for the rest of existence or, or whatever. And I guess they're immortal. So for all time and eternal, I don't know. De- definitely feels like they might escape, you know, some Lieutenant Barkley again decides like, Hey, what's this? I forgot. <laughs> oh crap. Now we got to do this all over again to a third level at this point. It's ultimately a very similar question to what inception asks, where at the end Dom is perfectly like he doesn't care if it is a dream or not. Mm-hmm. He's reached that point where he's like, this is the reality I choose, regardless of if I'm in limbo or if I'm in the real world. And that's another really interesting, again, not only, yeah, I mean, I would call that high concept in that just like, whoa, think about that. One of my favorite movies that is lowbrow, I don't know, you wouldn't call it high concept, I don't think, is called a. Don Juan DeMarco with Johnny Depp and Marlon Brando. No, this sounds where... like something you're making up. No, seriously. <laughs> well, it, it's it's one of Marlon Brando's like last movies and one of Johnny Depp's like first movies. And Marlon Brando is a psychologist and uh, Johnny Depp is this guy who walks around town dressed up as Don Juan and apparently believes that he is Don Juan. So he go he is forced to go through counseling to basically convince him that he is not who he says he is, where he, he basically has the life of Don Juan and he's got a whole story about like he, you know, was brought up, uh, you know, his, his dad was a famous fencer that lived in this little town in Mexico, but then he had to go overseas because he was, you know, too good with the ladies. And so he ended up in like this, this harem and just like on a kind of like a, like a Don Juan esque type story. And, uh, the interesting thing is, is what I love about the movie is that um, Brando, as the psychologist, loves the life that this kid has created because there's so much life and energy and passion that is part of it, even though it's probably not real. And so the interesting thing is, is that at the end, like the conclusion of the movie is uh uh Brando retires and he ends up taking 
Johnny Depp's character to this beach where he says his long lost love is waiting for him. And the mm. end of the movie has this narration where Brando says, and did he find her? Why not? And it was, I love that mm-hmm. the conclusion is what's wrong with this kid's reality. Like, why can't he live yeah. in this reality? Why is our reality more valid than his reality? And that again, blows my mind to think about you know is moriarty and you know this hologram that they're living in is that any more or less valid than the reality we live in yeah no i mean that's a really good point it's asked it's asked both in inception Uh and i also think to a a certain extent in uh the truman show oh totally but kind of with the yeah with the opposite with an opposite reaction from the main character, you know, that it's better to live in the real world than, you know, fooling yourself in this fake world. Well, and that's the, and I don't know if you've seen Vanilla Sky, another Tom Cruise. I've got a lot of Tom Cruise movies on here, but that's that same thing of like, he's been living in this fantasy world that was created to be his ideal world or his ideal time of life. And Mm -hmm. he has this choice. Does he want to go into this real world where he's like horribly deformed or does he want to stay here and they'll fix it for him? Uh, Same thing again with the matrix and a lot of these movies that are questioning the validity of reality, I think. Yeah. Okay. So then the last one that I want us to chew on for a couple of minutes is Donnie Darko. Now I know Donnie Darko has especially, although now I guess after, uh, after Taylor Swift's recent album, Jake Gyllenhaal has fallen out of the good graces. But prior to that, it feels like Donnie Darko has kind of become a cult classic movie. (laughs) Uh, and to be honest, one that I haven't seen. I've always wanted to see it, but it's 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 on my list, but I haven't seen it. But as I understand it, it has to do with kind of like premonitions that Donnie is having involving a rabbit in the end of the world. Is that you've seen it, right, Greg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's um teenager is basically having he is, he narrowly escapes death in the beginning. I don't want honestly, I don't want to give too much away since you haven't seen it yet, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I'm sure all of our listeners have. Well, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he narrowly escapes death in the beginning, but he gets all these premonitions about, uh, about the end of the world and um, trying to figure out what to do about that. And I know you have attached to this. You have um, the episode from DS9, uh, The Visionary, yeah, I think I think that's a good example of that, and I, I know you're the big DS9 fan. So, what in Visionary really sticks out to you about like seeing the end of the the premonitions of the end of the what is the O'Brien scene? Yeah, well, it's it's a little different in Visionary is because Visionary it's the one where uh, Chief O'Brien gets like hit by this radiation and it enables him to kind of like jump they're not time loops because they're random. It's not like he's living the same part every time over and over again. It's just he'll randomly right. like jump back in time. And, and we relive. talked about that in our uh, time travel episode. Exactly. And so it's, it's not quite, I mean, it's, it's different than Donnie Darko because it feels like Donnie Darko, the, the bulk of the movie is more about premonitions and visions and stuff like that. Whereas, 
Chief O'Brien literally lives those things and then jumps backwards. Uh, for me, and it sounds like it is kind of the spoiler of the end of Donnie Darko, but it sounds like the end mm -hmm. of the movie is this vortex opens up and then it ends up transporting him all the way back to the beginning of the movie. And right. So okay. That, so I didn't want to spoil that for okay. you. Okay. So. <laughs> no, 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 I read that. Well, and that was the reason I thought okay. that's a very similar thing to what happens to O'Brien is that like right. things come up and he actually, at one point, I think he sees the station destroyed and then he jumps back so that he can, he, he can stop it. And again, the crazy one that we don't talk about, or we talked about, but is not talked about from this point on in deep space nine is the fact that at one point, the he he basically switches with the O'Brien from the future or whatever. So basically, rather than the mm -hmm. one or was it the one that jumps back or whatever it is, is it a different O'Brien goes? Yeah. So basically, the O'Brien that we know from this point on in Deep Space Nine could be seen as an alternate reality, Chief O'Brien. Um, mm -hmm. Only like fifteen minutes of alternate reality, but nonetheless. So again. I feel like, kind of like with all of these, I don't know that my mind was blown as much because I've come to expect stories like that. But again, very similar, I think, in that in in concept is my is my impression. I'm looking at the uh, Wikipedia for it now. This was from 1995. Yeah, and Donnie Darko is 2001. Come on, that was six what I was thinking years. About. Oh, Six yeah. years. What I what I want to do to prove my to drive my point home is I'll put that list of ten the the ten well technically I added a couple more movies in there but the ten category of movies with the accompanying uh, episode and then I want to put the dates too or at least the years so that you can see when Frame of Mind came out when Eternal Sunshine came out when you know uh, uh, Groundhog Day versus Cause and Effect Groundhog Day uh, no Groundhog Day didn't beat Cause and Effect because Cause and Effect was again kind of earlier TNG so. Assuming that I am correct, and you can disagree if you think that 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 I my my premise that Star Trek did it and did it first. Why do you think that is? Why do you th what do you think it is about Star Trek that high concept stuff like this happens? You know, a, lo a lot of these movies, and we talked about this in the beginning. A lot of these high concept movies have to do with science and uh science fiction and i mean that is star, star trek is right there as we've talked about before star trek is a science right. show it's very science-based and it asks these interesting questions like what would happen if we can use all the chronotons <laughs> and the you know the weird radiation <laughs> <laughs> we need to get these characters in these yeah. strange situations where, you know, we're, we're having these kind of reality bending, these mind bending yeah. adventures here. So I think it's really easy to place those uh, high concept ideas in the show more mm. than it would be in, for example, something like Star Wars, where, you know, if somebody was like going back and forth through time, yeah. that would be weird. In Star yeah. Wars, right? Because it's not really science. It's not science in the same way yeah. that Star Trek is well, science. Although, like, it, it's interesting that it's, in some ways, it's almost like you feel like it would be more difficult because Star Trek wants to have it grounded in science. 
where you think about a lot of these, a lot of these <laughs> eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is not really, they don't really care about the science. How are these people doing this? How do they have the technology? Uh, that's not the point of the story here. Groundhog Day. How is this happening? Uh, maybe it's God. Who knows? Like, there's, there's no, even Inception. <laughs> how does this dream machine work and maybe they have some techno babble to explain it like donnie darko chronotons chronotons it's probably chronotons whereas with star trek (laughs) i think they want to yeah they want to ground it but i think that is that interesting it's almost (laughs) like the credibility that we give them because they have done that enables them to push i think in these different directions yeah they've already established that we're not just making up this holodeck thing out of nowhere. Like, hey, no, we've actually put some thought into how a holodeck could actually work. So if you buy that, or not if you buy that, if that makes sense, then holodeck inside of a holodeck inside of a holodeck. Now that can make sense. And it's like, oh, okay. It's, sometimes it can be a slippery slope, but I think for the most part. Yeah, you know, I really think that they should put some controls on that holodeck you know that uh, holodeck I don't uh, know. entity can't make its own holodeck. Yeah, well, I don't know how they haven't restricted Lieutenant Barkley's holodeck usage. It just seems like, I mean, after <laughs> oh, oh, that one. The other one that I think, and and I, and I do, I somewhat lament the era that we're in of the eight and 12 episode seasons that are traditionally all one story arcs and stuff like that. I feel like there's not a lot of space for creative out of the box, high concept storytelling in that sort of really good point. Whereas if you have a 26 episode season and you're not rigidly stuck to this, you know, serialized one big story thing. You can do like a one-off mm-hmm. episode where it's, you know, a high concept you can play with and you don't need because I feel like a high concept is generally difficult to tie in to an overarching storyline. Like you kind of have to plan that in there. So yeah, so I don't know if we'll see much in New Trek. Maybe who knows? Maybe with uh, Strange New Worlds because Strange New Worlds is gonna be more episodic, right? Yeah. So hopefully something there. Yeah. But no, that's a good point. You can't really throw away a uh, a whole episode in a ten episode season. <laughs> yeah. And that's I I really think I agree with you. That's the it's it's a it's a tough way to run a show. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. And I don't think it lives up to the promise. Like we're going to make ten really good right? quality episodes yeah. instead of twenty like okay episodes. Yep. I just don't think that happens. Yep. I think the ten are like half an arc that you would <laughs> right. see in a twenty episode. Yeah, yeah. Season anyway. And that's one of the things that I've loved about Star Trek is that I feel like. 26 episode seasons is grueling is difficult is challenging but i think one it enabled creativity mm-hmm. but two i also think it forced creativity yeah for like, sure when you read about the bottle episodes that they were forced to do because of budget and yet you would watch the episode and you're not like oh yeah this was just a throwaway like nonsense episode no they really yeah. hey we got to do a bottle episode let's do the heck out of a bottle episode, you know? We don't need a bunch of s- s- um, <laughs> special effects just to tell a story. You could just throw away the whole season of Picard. 
But what about? No, you're right. <laughs> I don't have other than Rikers Pizza. We love Rikers Wood Fire Pizza. That should be the episode: cooking with Commander Riker or Captain Riker or Admiral Riker, whatever he was. I'd watch that show. I would watch a cooking show starring. <laughs> Admiral I think that Riker. needs to be the next new yes. Trek show is like yes. Riker cooking pizza. We need to call up Akiva Goldsmith or whoever's the, the guru now these days. So, Well, there we have it, my friends. I feel like if we went the other direction and we talked about high concepts of episodes of Star Trek, we'd we'd have we wouldn't have enough space to go through all of them because there are so many high concept or what I would call high concept episodes. I think that no one has dared make a movie of because it's 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 so far out there or it's it it's a different difficult medium to translate into the movies so that said from my own perspective uh i will admit like i do love all of these movies that we've talked about so just because star trek did it and did it first I don't think takes anything away from Inception or Memento or The Matrix or Truman Show. Again, some of my favorite movies that I think have done this and brought these concepts to the mainstream, which I really Mm -hmm. appreciate. And I I would just love Star Trek to get a little bit more of a shout out for being the ones that... And and who knows? Maybe there's a progenitor even before Star Trek that you look back at like Isaac Asimov or, or... Arthur C. Clarke was writing all of this stuff back in like the 40s. I don't know. Well, Arthur C. Clarke didn't write in the 40s, but you know what I mean. Uh, or did he? Whatever. You know, before Star Trek, there may have been other things. But at the very least, Star Trek is how I was exposed to it. So I think Jurassic Park, it talks about like Malcolm's character when he's talking to Hammond when they're in like the gift shop after they see all the genetic testing or the, you know, making the dinosaurs, the science about how they make the dinosaurs. Malcolm says something like, you know, you sit on the, the, the shoulders of giants and you don't take any credit for what happened before, Uh. but you just slap it on a, on a plastic lunchbox and you're selling it, selling it. You know, all science fiction is building off of what happened before. You know, unless you're really interested in older sci-fi or if you've just like you've seen everything and have this encyclopedic knowledge of everything, then, you know, you're always building off the ideas of the people who came before. And I think like Isaac Asimov and Arthur C. Clarke, like you mentioned, you know, Ray Bradbury, all these people, you know, they did a lot of these same things. But like we talked about, Isaac Asimov was a science uh, consultant on the original Trek. Yeah. So, you know, it all comes around. Yep. Right? That it does. That it does. All right, my friends. Well, that is that for 2021. Thank you for joining us these last 12 episodes. But don't worry, my friends. In just two more weeks, 2022 is going to start for Trekology. And we are going to be talking about the top premieres. What I thought we would do is we'll talk about both premieres as in like series premieres, like the first episode of Next Generation and the original, all of that. But we're also going to talk about season premieres because I think that one, especially because the series premieres, 
kind of have a low bar in a lot of cases season premieres there's been some pretty darn good ones so we'll talk about that feels like this might be one of our nerdier episodes coming up uh and that's okay we we can do that for a bit because we'll get into uh some heavier stuff in the weeks to follow so thank you for joining us along the way tell your friends we would love uh yeah we would love to do this journey together again Tweet at us, Trek underscore ology. Go to our uh, anchor page and send us a message or whatever. We would love to hear from you if uh, you have any thoughts. Or, hey, if you're like, hey, I've got some really serious thoughts about premieres and I would love to be a guest star on that one, let us know. Man, Skype is an easy one to invite people to. We would love to have you. So, my friends, though, until then and for 2021, we shall say, Live long and prosper. Peace and long life.